0: I'm Greg Lambrecht, founder of Intrinsic Therapeutics and one of the inventors of the Barricade annular closure device. In this podcast, you're going to be hearing from spine surgeons we've met in our travels around the world, in particular from experts who are trying to optimize outcomes for their patients with lumbar disc herniations while preserving the remaining disc tissue. In this four-part interview series, Getting the Most from Barricade, you'll hear from two of these experts, Dr. Pierce Nunley, who you heard from in the first series, and Dr. Adisa Kurosumovic, Who is a neurosurgeon, interventional neuroradiologist, and radiologist in Fiedlingen-Schwenningen, Germany, and has over the past decade developed significant clinical experience with the implantation of the Barricade annular closure device. You're listening to Chapter 1, Patient Selection. As the upcoming chapters release weekly, you'll find them in the podcast episode list wherever you're listening. So without further ado, let's hear from these two great spine surgeons.
1: Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, we are really fortunate to have Uh, today as our guest, uh, Dr. Adisa Kirsten-Movic, an amazing surgeon and doctor. Uh, We welcome you to this podcast. She's too kind to actually say all of her uh, accolades, but I just want to introduce to you that she has been a doctor of medicine and then emergency medicine and neurosurgery and now interventional radiology and even certified in radiology. She's had 15 years experience with annular closure devices. She's published 12 peer reviewed articles on annular closure, including being part of the uh, 554 pivotal study that was done that ultimately led to FDA approval in the United States. So good morning, Adisa, and welcome. Before we get started, let's just talk a little bit about your background in the Barricade device.
2: Good morning, or should I say good evening? It's evening time in Austria. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation, Um, being able to share my experience, to share what I've learned about this exciting implant, which actually entered my life many years ago. It was on the joint meeting of the German uh, Spine Society, where I first met the people from Intrinsic and got introduced into this topic. I was at the end of my residency program back then and was actually really feeling like the need for something similar I couldn't find on the market until I met the people from Intrinsic. And that's why we got connected in my department. Back then I worked at a department in Deggendorf. We liked the idea of trying to seal the annulus. We've done together with my colleagues in Deggendorf, I've implanted well over 200 barricades, most in the real world setting, but we also took part in the RCT. So that does put myself in the department where I used to work in a unique position of being able to compare the patients from the RCT to the patients in the real world setting.
1: Well, that's just an amazing background, Adisa, and it's really uh, quite, uh, a privilege to be able to do a podcast with somebody that's done 200 of these devices uh, over such a period of time to get a real world experience for what that is. But you know, there's people out there that that are wondering still, even though it seems like we ought to be repairing it. What what is the real clinical need for this device? Why not just do a discectomy the way we've always done them and just move on down the road? There
2: is probably no need for annual closure for. Half of our patients who already have disc problems for many years, who have very narrow disc space, who are suffering of disc bulging, which kind of compresses the nerve root. And I don't think that this patient are actually the potential candidates or will benefit from this implant. But the population where I felt the need for an implant like this is rather young population. These are patients with very high discs on the MRIs you see uh, the first time. They usually have big sequesters, like big fragments, uh, pressing their nerve root, and are really at high risk of becoming re-herniations. These are the patients where when you operate them and took the fragment out, you see the large hole in an annulus, and you simply don't know what to do. So what we used to do when I was a resident was get into this space and take it out as much as you can in order to avoid reherniations. But we knew that we are not doing good for our patients, like a middle or a long-term outcome for these patients wasn't well, and the patients kept coming back. Some of them got the fusion surgeries or get, got their second, third, or fourth operation, and were really doing bad over time. So this is the population where you really are happy for having this tool or having this implant in order to avoid that second or third operation that they'll need. It's it's very well and very good implant for the part of your disc herniation population. It's definitely not suitable for every single disc herniation patient, but uh, for the young one, with uh, tall discs and a large annular defect, intraoperatively it definitely is uh, very worthful and uh, and and good to have it.
1: You know, it's uh, really good to hear. I think when when somebody uh, potentially is listening to this, uh, they think of people as being uh, advocates of the company, and it, we have a saying, and I, I know there's the same one in German that if you have a hammer, everything's a nail, and. I think that it's really good to hear that this isn't for everybody but there are these patient populations that they're good for and you know there's been controlled uh, studies that uh, show even 30% reherniation with these people that have large defects so that actually has science and basis behind it and then of course uh, we'll get into it a little bit later but your study that you, you got into that we did in podcast 1 that really showed that the patients that met criteria really did better than the control groups. You know, I think one of the things that that people really want to know about and the reason we did this podcast is to sort of talk about if you're thinking about implanting this device, what do we look for? It really starts in clinic, right? It starts seeing the patient and finding that good indication. You touched on that a little bit a minute ago about Who is the patient uh, you would choose for this? So uh, I don't know if you could go into a little more detail about specific parameters and those types of things that when you're in clinic and indicating a surgery, you say this is the patient for this device.
2: Well, these all are the patients with uh, unilateral posterior or posterolateral disc herniations with tall discs from the beginning. So, you need at least five millimeters of a disc height. If the disc height is less than five millimeters, the patients are not suitable for the implantation. It's very important is um, the fact that you need to tell the patient when you consent them that the final decision can only be made intraoperatively. When you find the annular defect, when you measure the annular defect, so there is no way. Even with our very good MRI technique these days, we cannot see or measure the annular defect preoperatively. So the most important preoperative selection criteria for patients suitable for barricade is a tall disc, and the posterior or posterolateral disc herniation, like extraforaminal disc herniation are not suitable because you don't have a good visualization of the disc space. And even if you find the annular defect, you will not be able to seal it. Patients who are also not suitable are the one who are having a broad disc bulging, who are having disc herniations on both sides of the dura. That's the simple technical criterion uh, where you cannot seal the defect on both sides of the um, annular defect. But, Like the most important is the disc height, that you have a decent disc height, tall as a taller than five millimeters. Everything else is decided intraoperatively after you search for an annular defect and find it, measure it, and then you'll see if you're able to seal it.
1: So let's talk a little bit about, since you've had such a great experience, is there a indication or a time when you may use this for a more central herniation or a patient with a minimal spondylolisthesis, or even recurrent herniation?
2: If you're allowed, I'll start from the back. I personally think that recurrent herniation is a very good uh, candidate for barricade. So in the cases where you have a recurrent disc herniation, decent disc height, I would definitely go for barricade, and that's what I've done in our serious, in a, in a real world population. And I've had uh, wonderful results. We've um, treated 26 patients in uh, recurrent cases with barricade and had not a single re-herniation and not a single reoperation in this study cohort, which is really, really good result. So I personally believe that recurrent herniation wow, is a that, very good a- candidate for barricade. But you still need a decent disc height. The problem of recurrent disc herniation is that they sometimes lose the disc height. They have very narrow disc space, and you know they do not fulfill the primary inclusion criteria for barricade, and then they're not suitable. But for the others, like the younger one, who get back after a few weeks or a few months after the first surgery, and if you assume that the big annular hole led to a disc herniation, to the recurrent disc herniation, they will be a suitable candidate. Pornzillolesthesis is is also not a primary candidate for barricade. They usually have another problems, they need another surgeries, but if they have a rather slight listhesis, sometimes you notice this on the operating table, you can implant as well, but you should consider just one thing, and that is if you are choosing barricade for these patients, you should have the implant or the anchor implanted into the vertebral body, which is further uh, anterior. So if this listhesis gets worse over time, the barricade or the implant will move with the vent- vertebral body, which is further in front.
1: Excellent. So just to be clear too, and we talked about this before, so contraindications are gonna be those that are less than five millimeters if you have central stenosis or obviously spondylolisthesis beyond grade one, Osteoporosis is another one. It's a bone anchor. So at what point do you decide that the bone isn't uh, sufficient enough for safe implantation?
2: I do not require DEXA measurement for every single discrimination patient. In younger patients, I actually go for implantation without even thinking of it. In the patients who are older, especially older female population, I go for questionnaires. You have a very good questionnaires these days, which give you a feeling if the patient is a potential candidate for osteoporosis. And if so, I would go for DEXA measurement, but that occurs in maybe 5% of patients for barricade. I've developed a term connected to barricade, which is barricade is suitable for the patients or for the discs worth fighting for. Ah. sometimes you simply have discs which are not which are so narrow (laughs) which are definitely gone and you will have another and you will need another procedures but in terms of using barricade i really developed this definition barricade is suitable for the discs worth fighting for
1: god i love that I, I don't know if marketing is listening, but that's <laughs> got to go on the marketing brochure somewhere <laughs> for the disc worth that's fighting for. That's my
2: term. It's really, it's for, for the awesome. disc well, worth fighting for. You, yeah.
1: You've memorialized it here in podcast too. it It's been a real pleasure talking with you over the last hour and really wish you the best in your practice.
2: Thank you so much. The pleasure was mine.
1: You take care. Well, this concludes our podcast, and uh, it's been a real great experience. And uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, Take care.
0: Stay tuned to hear from the experts on surgical steps for implantation next time in Chapter Two. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe wherever you're listening. To watch the entire interview, head over to YouTube.com forward slash Barricade. Thanks to Dr. Nunley and Dr. Kosumovic, and thank you for listening and for helping us build a world where lumbar herniation doesn't define lives. Barricade is indicated for reducing the incidence of re-herniation and reoperation in skeletally mature patients with radiculopathy, with or without back pain, attributed to a posterior or posterior lateral herniation, and confirmed by history, physical examination, and imaging studies, which demonstrate neural compression using MRI to treat a large annular defect between four and six millimeters tall and between 6 and 10 millimeters wide, following a primary discectomy procedure at a single level between L4 and S1. All medical devices have risks. Please refer to barricade.com slash instructions for a full list of benefit and risk information. U.S. law restricts this device to sale by or on the order of a physician. The guests on this podcast are consultants of Intrinsic Therapeutics.